Hi, dear listener. Zach here. I'm proud of the work we did on Call of Discovery and Keyforge Public Radio, and last year I took my love of podcasts full-time with my company, Rooster High Productions. If you know someone with a business who wants to broadcast their expertise through podcasts and derived social media marketing, send them my way to Zach at RoosterHigh.com. Thank you so much. Hello and welcome to Call of Discovery, the podcast where we invite you on a journey into the crucible for a weekly or fortnightly celebration of all things Keyforge, its marvellous community and, of course, the excitement of Discovery. I'm still somehow here as your co-host, Ed Pocock, and I am joined, as always, from my evil twin from across the sea, it is Zach Armstrong. Zach, how are you doing on this marvelous day? I'm good, Ed. I'm doing well, and I'm wondering how long we can do the evil twin thing. Is it just until Dark Tidings releases? Is it like until the next set? Like, how how long do we have that joke for? Did we rent it? It's a joke. Who do we have on today, Ed? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, today we are absolutely delighted to be joined by Darusha Wame, who is here to talk about their book set in the world of Keyforge, The Cubit Zirconium. Did I pronounce that well? <laughs> Close. The Cubit Zirconium. Zirconium. The Cubit Zirconium. Darusha, delighted to invite you onto the podcast. Absolutely lovely to be here. And now that I've said that, I actually feel like I need to Google how to pronounce zirconium. I'm just assuming. It's the crucible. However, and you wrote the book. However you wrote it, it is right. (laughs) I suppose it is up to me then, isn't it? Google is wrong. You are right. Don't trust the algorithm. You are the authority here. You are the authority here. Darusha is the Nebula Award nominated and Sir Julius Vogel Award winning author of the interactive fiction game The Martian Job, several science fiction novels, and the Anderson Dexter cyberpunk detective series. They have also written the Debbie Jones Locker Young Adult series, the coming of age novel, The Home for Wayward parrots uh you're originally from uh canada which is a wonderful nation for the origin of anybody involved in keyforge apparently and uh you're in new zealand and have sailed the pacific uh for a couple years which um i would love to talk about at length but that is unfortunately sailing the pacific is not the topic of our podcast maybe we'll need to start a sailing podcast just to have you back on yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) happily happily i've got a pair of boat shoes somewhere that might help that's how you start. That's how it always starts. <laughs> oh. I'm going to put on a pair of boat shoes. I'm going to go to the Southampton International Boat Show and, um, yeah, the beginning. Yep, that, that's it. That's exactly it. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, well, uh, we'll be putting in, uh, I'll have a Google form up sometime next week for a new co-host for Call of Discovery as Ed goes across the ocean here uh, trying to discover exactly why he left me. So uh, for those uh, who haven't heard yet, uh, the 
Cubit Zirconium is being published by Aconite Books and is releasing on April 6th of this year, both digitally and in print. Uh, and do note, the lovely cover art is by fan favorite artist Natalie Russo. We're going to be providing links to various listings in the show notes for your convenience, so you can jump on that on the 6th when it releases. So for those of you unfamiliar, we're going to be talking to Darusha about their book, and it centers on Wibble and Plims, the Crucible's most unusual private investigators. They set off from their office in Hub City to clear the name of a former client, and along the way, their investigation broadens from a simple accusation of theft to include a missing person, a potential murder, and a highly unusual gem. Various related incidents take them all across the Crucible as they attempt to solve the case, but... There's something more sinister lurking underneath. What could it be? Uh, so this is, uh, it is, there is a big detective element to the story. These are private investigators uh, traipsing about the crucible, meeting all manner of person. Uh, but Darusha, we want to talk a little bit about the process of the book as it's uh, tied of all things to uh, this card game that we play. And of course, it's no secret, as we've talked about here on the podcast a little bit before, The Crucible was designed as a setting for the card game. It's not like it existed elsewhere and then they tacked a card game onto it. It was designed to help a card game function, to help a card game uh, get sold. And it really is totally a totally out there setting. Uh, so Darusha, what was it like when you were first introduced to this wacky science, fantasy, whimsy, and danger setting of the Crucible? Uh, I, I actually first was uh, uh, came across it for um, writing the first story about Wibble and Plims, which appeared in the anthology Tales from the Crucible um, that came out last year, uh, and I know that you've read. Um, and so I first came, a, came, came across it uh, when I was um, asked by Akinite if I'd be interested in pitching a story to that anthology. And the setting sounded really neat. I hadn't played Keyforge at that point, so I immediately went out to my local board game cafe and played Keyforge, uh, because I am a board gamer and card gamer, uh, and found it quite delightful, because of course it is. Um, and then we were also provided with the source book for the... At that point forthcoming RPG. Um, so I read through that whole document and and which expands, of course, the lore of the Crucible quite significantly and gives sort of the way that the houses interact outside of um, just a vault battle that you would see in the cards. Um, it gives you sort of the 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 fuller uh, scope of what the Crucible kind of um, can be and can hold and the kinds of beings that are in there and the kinds of worlds that they inhabit. And I found it to be just utterly entrancing because it is one of those sorts of settings where um, as an author, you can kind of do whatever you want in there. Um, (laughs) I am more of a science, science fiction than a fantasy writer, but it's fun to be able to include fantasy type characters in what for me is a science fictional feeling story. I mean, it is very much fantasy in a lot of ways because things just happen because it's the crucible and, you know, stuff happens on the crucible. Um, <laughs> but uh, I like to approach it from sort of a science fictional perspective uh, as if the world could make plausible sense. And uh, certainly with detectives, they're trying to make a logical sense of the things that are happening around them. Uh, And it's really fun to play in this wild fantasy world where there's wizards and cyborgs and magicians and bottomless pits and stuff just shows up out of nowhere. Um, And, but try and approach it from a perspective of, okay, well, that, that's just the way the world works. Let's find out how these things happen and put things together in a logical order. And it's just great fun to mash all that stuff up together. Yeah, certainly. 
Certainly. And uh, you said you were given the, the Secrets of the Crucible RPG book. Uh, was that uh, the, the main resource for lore? Was there, uh, was there like a, a lore keeper or um, uh, what other resources did you use for, for the world? Uh, you played the card game, obviously. So you've got experience from there. Was there anything else beyond the, um, beyond the RPG book that you were given for, for reference about the Crucible? I wasn't given anything else uh, from Aconite, but one of the things that I did on my own was uh, I did some significant Googling and found a few mm. websites that uh, are basically card repositories. Um, so you can search Keyforge cards that people have, you know, found and uploaded onto the website or, you know, so that you've got the information about it. And I did a lot of looking at those cards when I was uh, thinking about a character from a particular house or trying to imagine what um, a particular house might might look like and what the characters might do and what their sort of environments might be like. Um, I did a lot of poking through the cards that existed and looking at the names and the art and the, the little snippets of story that went along there so that I could try and make sure that everything fit in with what already existed um, out there and also just as a source of inspiration to sort of get ideas for new characters and places and items and things that could occur. Yeah, I, uh, I noticed... Uh... That was very evident throughout the the whole book. And there is uh, one moment where I noticed a card name. Uh, There's a, a Logos upgrade called Discombobulator. And you involved Discombobulator, the word, into a string of other names for like a singular item all mashed together that I thought was just like a lovely subtle nod and obviously a fruit of your of your uh, in-depth research of actually looking through all of the cards. <laughs> Well, yes, the matter discombobulator recombinator. Yeah. Oh, that's that's it. Yes, I don't remember what it does or if it was just on a list, but uh, that was as as a deep card game nerd uh, like yourself, I, I appreciated I appreciated that evidence of of care in there that was so obvious. That's lovely. Oh, thank you. And also, n- not a spoiler because it's on the first page. Love how you got <laughs> Keyforge the card game. In the book set in the world of Keyforge as well, which uh, was 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 quite something. <laughs> I was afraid they would make me take that out <laughs> because it's so meta. But it occurred to me when I was writing that, you know, in the world of the Crucible where literally anything could happen, it also makes perfect sense that because when I thought about the Keyforge cards, they could be like trading cards for cool people and beings who've done stuff on the Crucible. So why not have Keyforge yeah. the game be on the people Crucible? People have baseball cards. <laughs> That's right. Why not have Vault Warrior cards? And, and, and Darusha, what was it? What's it like the process of, of of writing a book for an existing IP compared to maybe having the the creative freedom of your 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 own IP, your own world building? Yeah, it's uh, it is quite different. There's no question about that. I'm really quite enjoying it a lot because um, it gives. I, I tend to be one of those writers where the blank page is a bit intimidating, but uh, editing is quite fun. And so, working in an existing IP, I still have the blank page, but there's all this stuff, mm. this lore, mm-hmm. this existing uh, world that I can draw upon and say, okay, I want to set it in this thing. I can just look up how this thing works. And now I just have to go as opposed to having to, as a science fiction author, figure out what this thing even is in the first place. It's, uh, it's you know, it, 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 start, it's, it makes it a bit easier to get going. And I've always found as a writer that um, I do best when I have 
constraints for my freedom. Um, so working within another IP means that, you know, there's certain things you just can't do because, well, it doesn't work that way. Or there's certain things you can't do because that locks the art direction into a particular, you know, uh, mold that they don't necessarily want to be stuck in and, mm -hmm. and those sorts of things. Um, and while those can be constraining, obviously, and I think for some writers that might be challenging. I actually quite like constraints because it it allows me to have more free reign in other places. And I think that's just a, a strange way that my brain works is I tend to, um, I feel more free when I've got things imposed upon me that I'm trying to stretch out against. Um, so I find it quite uh, quite enjoyable working in, in other IPs. And of course, the Keyforge world is such fun. Um, and uh, the first story that I wrote, uh, including Wibble and Plims, I just fell in love with the two of them so desperately that I really was so excited when uh, they asked <laughs> if I would write an entire novel um, with them because I feel like I could write those two detectives for the rest of my life and be perfectly happy. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think that comes across in in their characterization and how distinct they are and relatable, even though they are both very, you know, non-human, right? Non, not, uh, uh, not like us in that human sense, but relatable in the experiences they have. And so what, what was the creative process that brought them to life? Were they handed to you? Did you come up with them for the, the story in the anthology? How did they how did they uh, come into existence? They, I uh, created them for the anthology, and uh, mm -hmm. I've always been a big fan of sort of mysteries and uh, detective stories. I, I, there's often a lot of mystery and detective element in my science fiction writing. Um, and so when I'm sort of uh, given a blank slate, that tends to be the the science fiction detective is my the subgenre that I go to. It's sort of, you know, the, mm -hmm. the one that I gravitate the most to. And at the time, I was really enjoying um, sort of uh, like banter banter duos, buddy comedies, that kind of thing. Yeah, and I, I wanted sure. to write something where there were these two beings who are extremely different from each other, but working together toward a common goal because they genuinely like each other and care for each other and care about the work that they do, but are also quite opposed to each other in certain ways and um, having that relationship where they sort of bicker and and they try to basically make each other better um, was something that I really enjoyed writing um, and wanted to explore and it just felt like a fun place to have those kinds of characters do their thing. Oh, certainly, certainly. Um, and I haven't read a ton of detective literature, but I'm going to venture a guess having done zero research that this is the genre's first pair made of a robot and a dolphin-esque spirit. Uh, I'm guessing. I mean, <laughs> I, I certainly suspect it is, it is at least among a very small subset. <laughs> oh yeah. That's, that's certainly, yes, uh, that's, that's good. That's good. Um, so uh, something your book puts front and center that we, we see in Keyforge, we see in some other kind of short Keyforge writing and it's front and center in, in your book is one of the core identifiers of the crucible as a setting and that's in that it is both whimsical and dangerous at the same time. Those aren't, you know, exclusionary concepts in Keyforge. They they mix together in in the most interesting of ways. Uh, what were um, uh, what were some of your favorite uh, maybe scenes in the book that, as you wrote, that you got to where you got to capture both the whimsy and the danger of of the Crucible at the same time. 
Yeah, there's a scene where there's a uh, an Archon battle actually taking place uh, towards the end of the book. And uh, that was quite fun. Um, it takes place in um, a sort of a, a mining town that's kind of like a Western feel. And there's a tavern and there's a bit of a bar fight. And it's all very sort of typically Western, except that there are, you know, there are giants and creatures with powers and laser bolts and lightning bolts and all of that kind of thing. Um, and I felt like that was, I think, uh, of the place where the sort of the two aspects really come together the most, because it is, if it were happening in uh, the, the real world, if this were happening to me, for example, it would be utterly terrifying yeah. to be in a situation <laughs> where there are enormous creatures barging into the space that I'm in, trying to kill each other. There's stuff breaking all over the place and people stomping around and enormous, amazing metaphysical creatures that we can't really fully understand controlling the whole thing. I mean, it would just be like hard pass, do not want. But because it is this fun environment and because ultimately the way that uh, sort of Keyforge is structured, these creatures all come back to life. Archons can bring their their warriors back because they have to in order to continue playing the game the next time um <laughs> it it takes a little bit of that danger away and trying and that was one of the sort of interesting things about it was trying to keep that sense of you know um that that's a, this is a dangerous situation and it's there's the tensions are running high and the stakes are really high but it's also not really that because within the world of keyforge we know that nothing is ever truly lost and uh, everything, the crucible will sort of reanimate itself and, and things will come back to fight again. And so trying to that tension between everything's going to be okay in the end. And the reader kind of knows that I hope, um, but also like the tension is high and what are we going to do? And we need to hide behind the table and, but I want to see the thing and, and, and all of that kind of stuff. And um, I thought that was a really good, that was where I tried to put those two things in the most and just mush them up together. Yeah, oh, I I think I think it was done with great success. It uh it certainly there's a consistency to the meeting of those two things um throughout the book uh, as well as you know we see in the game and and in in other things uh in other things as well. Um and I do hope so uh I do suspect that a few people over at FFG listen to this podcast. I would like to now formally request on Call of Discovery Wibble and Plims as Keyforge cards, if you would, please. It's so doable. That would be that. There's already oh, art. Oh, that would be so exciting. Stamped and signed and sent to <laughs> FFGHQ. <laughs> I would. That would be so exciting. I. It would. That would be very cool. And I think uh, it would be very cool to start to see to see this fiction right roll out across. Uh, across the multiple mediums, we had fiction written about, you know, car uh, characters who were in cards already. And I would love to see it go the other way with this, especially because these two characters are just so um, uh, their personalities are so strong and distinct and have such a good relationship. I would love to see that reflected mechanically in their in their game of, of origin. Mm. And, and with the algorithm as it is, you can have deck where they never come alone they always come together mm -hmm. as a pair <laughs> oh that would be so wonderful it's true it's true um awesome so so darusha before we let you go i do have to ask what was your favorite thing about writing this book the cubit zirconium 
There were a lot of fun things about writing this book. It is, uh, it was sort of a joy to write from beginning to end. The world is so fun. The characters that I got to use that already existed were great. And I do adore Wibble and Plums as characters. If I had to pick a single thing, it would probably be uh, spending time with those two characters and their relationship and their banter. Uh, I quite enjoy telling terrible jokes and I got to use this as an opportunity to include lots of terrible jokes and puns and things of that nature, which is something that I enjoy a great deal. Um, And I found the process. I am one of those writers who uh, occasionally will amuse myself when I write, and that's what I live for when I write. Uh, And I got to make myself laugh the entire way through writing this book. And And so for me as the author, that was my favorite thing. Well, that's fantastic, uh, and I do believe I do believe it shows it shows in the writing. Uh, so, yes, um, that's lovely. Well, thank you so much for your time. We we really appreciate you jumping on with us, and uh, we wish you all the best. And hopefully, we'll see a, a couple more bylines from you down the road. That would be fantastic. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Of course. Uh, And as a reminder, dear listener, that book is out April 6th. Uh, We will put a a link to a page below where you can find uh, any preferred retailer to get that in print uh, or by digital. So you can enjoy the journey of Wibble and Plimps uh, as much as I did, which is to say quite a lot. So if you are enjoying Call of Discovery, please remember to subscribe on your podcast app of choice. And if you're new to Keyforge, please make sure to visit the new player guide on Archon Arcana, the Keyforge wiki. We've linked that below where you can get started on your own unique and wonderful journey into this game. If you're looking to support Call of Discovery monetarily, you can visit our Patreon linked below where you can sign up to support us monthly and enjoy rewards like access to our Discord where we get many topics and questions for each show. Uh, Let us know what you'd like to see more or less of in future shows by interacting with us across social media on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, or feel free to send us an email at podcast at callofdiscovery.com. But most importantly, dear listener, if you think a friend would enjoy this podcast or the book we talked about today, please help them to discover it. Have you answered the call of discovery?